Now, miracle at the uh, barrel race, that particular night, that was two years ago, uh, they were debating, you know, she's old enough, mature enough, that she didn't have to wear a helmet anymore. She could have just wore a cowgirl hat, which they like to do. You know, it looks nicer and all like that. But she decided to wear her helmet anyhow that night. And uh, can't wear it anymore because it's all cracked. You know what I'm saying? So she had to get a new helmet and all. You think helmets are important? Now, I think in Connecticut, do you have to wear a helmet riding a motorcycle in Connecticut? You know what? I really think you should. Because <laughs> your noggin is a pretty important thing to protect, don't you think? I think it really is. But uh, we started talking about that last week, about the fight. That we're in a fight. We're in a, a real, genuine battle. And uh, we've had some technical issues for some reason. But if you uh, were not here, you know, you can hopefully find it. Uh, online in our archives of our service, what we talked last week, just talking about the armor of God, what the armor is made out of, how to apply the armor, gives a little bit more insight into the use of the armor of God. And uh, we're trying to have enough uh, DVDs available, but a lot of them have been going for last week and this week. So if you, if you didn't get one, just leave a note back there. I want a copy of this. I want to get caught up on this particular series. But it's so important understanding the fight. He said, well, as a Christian, well, we're not supposed to fight. Oh, yeah? You know, we've got an ongoing battle. The Bible tells us that God gives us armor. You know, armor is designed for a battle, for a fight. So I'd like to kind of pick up there uh, this morning. And in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, I believe it's verse 17, it says, put on as your put on salvation as your helmet. And there is a battlefield that goes on in the mind. And see, the helmet of salvation, and this is be more kind of like the, the, a, a real genuine helmet, you know, for a, a battle. But it protects your head, your eyes, your ears. It protects everything that is there. And it says, put on salvation as your helmet. And, you know, in order, you know, for us to get the helmet of salvation, you've got to believe in Christ. But there also is another ingredient. It's called repentance. And repentance just means I was going this way. I did an about face. I changed my direction. It looks like I'm in the same spot, but I'm going in a different direction now. So in order to genuinely receive salvation, the helmet of salvation, you got to believe. And you kind of change your direction. It's like I'm going not against God or contrary to God or from God, but I'm, I'm going toward him. I'm going with him, you know, what we're talking about. So the moment that you accept Jesus Christ into your life, you get the helmet. You get this helmet of salvation, and it protects your thinking. It protects your mind, you know, and our mind is such an important thing. But let me read it again. Verse 17 it says, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God. So let's pick back up in Ephesians 6, verse 10. Listen to what it says. It says the final word. Now, this is his final word on the topic. We're just starting our message out, and we're starting with his final word. And he says the final word, 
Be strong with the Lord's mighty power. And then he tells us how to be strong. And he says, put on all God's armor. How much of the armor? All, all of God's armor. So he says, be strong with the Lord's mighty power and put on half of the armor of God? No, all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies and tricks of the devil. And we are in a battle. We are in a battle as believers. And the Bible says we have a helmet. And we'll read it again in a, in, in a moment, but we have every piece of the armor, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, our loins girt about with truth. Our feet are shy with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So he says here, verse 10 again, a final word. Be strong with the Lord's mighty power. Put on all God's armor so you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies and tricks of the devil. For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but, but we are fighting. But against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against the mighty powers of darkness who rule this world, and against wicked spirits in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on, what's that say? every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. I find this absolutely wonderful and fantastic and fascinating. The Bible says if you resist the devil, he will flee. I like that. If you resist him, he comes against you and you resist him, he'll flee. But lots of times people are found running from the devil when if we'll just resist him, he'll be running from us. That's what the Bible says. Resist him. Stand your ground. And the Bible says he will flee from us. Verse 13, once again, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Verse 14 says, stand your ground. Put on the belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully, what's that say? Prepared. And you know, the, 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 the boots that the Bible talks about, you got these spikes to help you stand your ground. You got a good grip and it's part of your weaponry. But he says here in verse 15, for shoes or boots put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. And, and this shield is not this little bitty old thing, but this shield is more like the size of a door. You know, I like a big shield to protect you and, and your family and your loved ones and all. So he says in verse 16, in addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil and put on salvation as your helmet. And, and, and you know, we talked about it last week a little bit more that armor usually is fashioned after uh, or, or out of chain mail or steel or leather. 
But the armor of God, every piece of it is fashioned from God's word. Every time we read it, as we study it, as we talk about it together, it's tweaking, it's, it's perfecting, it's, it's tailoring God's armor to fit us better and better and better. It says it here in 2 Timothy 3.15, it says, you have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood and they have given you the wisdom to receive what? Salvation. The helmet of salvation. The holy scriptures that we've been taught from childhood, they give us the wisdom to receive the helmet of salvation, to receive salvation and see it protects our mind. And a lot of people don't understand this, but the battlefield, our greatest battlefield is in the area of our mind. Have you ever been attacked in the area of your mind with fear or worry or, or doubt or whatever it might be, but it comes up here and we need to have our helmet of salvation to protect us. So it says in verse 17, put on, the, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, you got all your armor on. From head to toe, you've got your armor on. You're learning to use your armor. Now, verse 18 says, pray in the spirit. At all times and on every occasion and stay alert and be what? Persistent in your prayers. For all believers everywhere. I'm going to tell you something. Once you got the armor of God on that's fashioned and, and shaped and molded from the word of God, now you can pray the most powerful prayers. You can pray the most effective prayers you'll ever pray. Oh, you can pray without your armor on, but you're not going to be near as effective as when you're on the battlefield. Because see, every Christian endeavor is won or lost on the battlefield of prayer. And a battlefield, you're much more successful on a battlefield. You, you, you take less hits when you got your armor on. Now, we see it in the football. The guy who's got his, his armor on on the football field, his, his helmet and his pads and his cleats and all that, he, he survives the battle called football better than if he was just wearing his pajamas in there, right? Yeah. You know, so we want to have on all the armor, all the armor, so we can stand strong. Well, here's an article I came across. For the first time in 47 years, the tuna were running only 30 miles off of Cape Cod. Now, just so you understand this, they weren't up on their tails running on top of the waves or nothing like that. You know, they, when it says running, it means they were swimming. Y'all probably knew that, right? I, I just want to clarify it so there's no misunderstanding about it. For the first time in 47 years, the tuna were running only 30 miles off Cape Cod. And they were biting, not talking about people. They were biting fishing gear. Y'all probably know all that, right? I won't keep explaining this stuff to you. So for the first time in 47 years, the tuna were running only 30 miles off Cape Cod, and they were biting. And all you needed to catch one was a sharp hook and some bait. And the rumor was that Japanese buyers would pay $50,000 for a nice blue fan tuna. And that was not fiction. That was true. These tuna can weigh up to 1,000 pounds. Fresh tuna, these are awesome. These are powerful, and they're extremely valuable. Many inexperienced fishermen ignored Coast Guard warnings, and they headed out to sea in small boats. What they didn't realize was that the problem wasn't catching the fish. 
It was reeling in the giant tuna and pulling it aboard. The Christiane, a 19-foot boat, capsized while battling with the tuna. The same day, the 27-foot boat Basic Instinct suffered the same fate. While official business, which was a 28-footer, was swamped after it hooked a 600-pound tuna. Fishermen on these boats, they underestimated the power of the fish that they were trying to catch. Now, I know the Bible says greater is Christ who is in us than the devil is in this world. I know that, and I believe that. Yet, a lots of folks have underestimated the power of the temptations and the powers of darkness that work against us. We underestimate them or completely unaware that there's power there at all. And see, that's what temptation does to us. It looks great. It looks fun, you know, on the surface. It's after we hook into it and it sinks our boat. So do not underestimate. That's why God, people say, why do you have armor as a Christian? Well, you've underestimated what we're dealing with here. And I'm going to venture to say that many of you have had to fight against things that come into your mind. Fear and worry and anxiety. And one of the things, there's so many people seeking counsel because there's some strongholds that have been built in the area of their mind and, and, and we need to just change that stinking thinking, you know, uh, where it gets a stronghold and we can't overcome uh, certain uh, fears and phobias and, and things like that. So uh, we often es underestimate our enemy's power. Now, interesting, um, last week, Chad Kelly, he was uh, talking to me. He's a member of our church. And he was, I remember Pastor Ron, a few years ago, you were talking about this filter, how, how to filter our mind and all. And I said, hey, thanks for reminding me of that. And I said, you know, this is so relevant to what we're doing today. And, and this is a gas mask, you know. If there was lethal, poisonous, toxic gas is released and you put this on, you could breathe through this filter and the, the poison would not be taken into your lungs. It would filter it out. And there is a filter that God has given you and me that actually filters our, everything that comes into our mind. So we don't take things into our mind that hurt us, that contaminate our mind, that plants, uh, you know, seeds of destruction or fear, or anxiety, and, and all the strongholds of negativism and all that. There's a filter available to us. And that's what I'd like to talk to you about right now. And it's found in uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And it says here, it says, and now, dear friends, let me say one more thing as I close this letter. <laughs> Fix your thoughts. And I don't mean that your thoughts are broke, okay? This word fix is talking about make secure, steadfast, you know, attached, you know. It says fix your thoughts on what's true. Now this is the first piece of the filter. And we need to filter everything that comes into our mind. So the devil does not have the ability to have strongholds and, and there's all kinds of, there's thousands of different strongholds he tries to create in people's minds. 
But we can filter every thought that comes into our mind. We can filter it. So there's nothing in there that contaminates us or corrupts us or weakens us in any way. And he says, and now, dear friends, let me say one more thing as they close this letter. Fix your thoughts on what is true. That means if it's not true, don't think about it. You know? And he says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable. If it's not honorable, don't think about it. Filter that thing out. He says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. If it ain't right, don't think about it. Because those are the kinds of things that gets in and creates a stronghold. And, and we become very negative. So he says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure. Are we exposed to things that's not pure in this world in which we live? Through every form of media communication we have, there's things that are thrown at us that are absolutely impure. And, and if we will take God's word to heart, and if it ain't pure, let's filter it. It's like, nope, you don't go in here. I mean, how many of you are going to eat some dirty, rotten, old, four-month-old garbage and let it get in your tummy? No? Well, why would we let filthy, rotten garbage get into our mind? And he said here, fix your thoughts on what is true. And see, it has to match up with all these things, not just one part. It might be true, but it's not honorable. Well, filter it out. So he says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely. If it's ugly, don't think about it. Think about the things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And all that other stuff, just filter it out. And the more we get God's word in us, the more it will fill you. I, I know that's not good. That's ugly. That's false. That's a lie. Who wants to believe and live by a lie? And then he goes on to say in verse 9, keep putting into practice all that you've learned from me and heard from me and saw me doing. And the God of peace will be with you. I'm telling you, there is a real battle going on and God has given us awesome, fantastic armor. One piece happens to be the helmet of salvation and it succeeds. It enables us to succeed and be victorious. It genuinely does. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 says, we are human, but we don't wage war with human plans and methods. We use God's mighty weapons, and they have divine power. We use God's mighty weapon. And one of the weapons we have, the Bible talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We use God's mighty weapon. We use it. We use it. This is part of the armor and the weaponry that God has given us. We use God's mighty weapons, not mere worldly weapons, to do what? To knock down the devil's strongholds. And here is where the devil gets a stronghold in people's lives, in their mind. There are some people who uh, struggle with fear. You know what I'm talking about. I, as a young fella, had a horrible fear of heights. Thank God he delivered me from my fear of heights. But there are so many strongholds, fears and phobias, and people can't ride airplanes or people can't do this because of a stronghold that's in their mind that they picked up somewhere along the line. And he tells us here, he says in verse 4, 2 Corinthians 10, 4, 
We use God's mighty weapons, not mere worldly weapons. We use God's mighty weapons to knock down the devil's strongholds. With these weapons, we break every, what percentage is every? 100%. We break, we break down every proud argument. Now, another translation here where it says, with these weapons we break down, it says we cast down. Another translation says we demolish. With these weapons we break down, cast down, demolish every proud argument. Several translations says there, where it says argument, it says imaginations. We cast down these imaginations, these thoughts that are in our mind that causes hundreds of thousands of people to need counseling or medications because there's a stronghold in their mind and, and they got to get rid of that stinking thinking, you know, because it, it has horrible consequences. It, it's a stronghold. They, they can't get away from it. But with these weapons that God has given us, we can knock down the devil's strongholds. With these weapons, we can break down, cast down, and demolish every, every proud argument or imagination. And the original word there where it says proud argument it means human reasonings. We can cast down the human reasonings, the imaginations, the strongholds that get there in our mind and, and, and tries to manipulate and control us. With these weapons, we break down every proud argument that keeps people from knowing God. And people are controlled by ideas. People are controlled by imaginations. Some people are so fearful of the dark, they will not go outside. You know what I'm talking about? You know, there are fears and doubts and all this that becomes a stronghold in our mind. And, and we need the helmet of salvation. And we need to be able to cast down those imaginations that are contrary to the truth and not think on those things. But we need to cast them down. And he goes on to say, with these weapons, this is still in verse 5, with these weapons we conquer rebellious ideas, you know, those thoughts and those imaginations. And we teach them to obey Christ. We bring every thought in line with Christ. That's what I'm talking about. Now, in case you didn't know, Satan cannot read your mind. He cannot read your mind. But he tries to find out what you're thinking by planting a thought in there. And when the devil tempts us, this is how he does it. He doesn't come and say, Hello, this is Mr. Devil. He don't come that way. He comes and he speaks to us in the first person, making us think that it's our thoughts. And he puts his thought in our mind. I can't do that. And what happens after you have a thought, usually? You have a thought, you say it. This thought comes in your mind, I just can't do that. And we go, I can't do that. The devil's finding out what you believe. Or this thought comes in your mind, I can't do that. But you know the word. You go, I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. There's two different responses for the same thought the devil put in our mind. One casts down the doubt and the unbelief. One did not cast it down. There are people who are thinking right now, it was kind of chilly out there, wasn't it, this morning? That was awesome, wasn't it? But let me, let me tell you a whisper that will come eventually. I'm serious. This winter, 
me and my family are going to get really, really sick. And you, when you have that thought, then you, you'll say, you know what? It's getting cold. We're going to probably catch the flu and have a real tough time of it this year. People do that. I hear it all the time. But you can go, when all that devil puts that thought in there, I'm going to get sick and maybe die this winter. What we can go is, the word of God says, I can come boldly to his throne of grace and obtain mercy and grace to help me in my time of need. Or by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. Or he sent his word to heal me. Or he said, you can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. We can speak God's word that is, is, is what has fashioned our helmet. We can speak the truth. Amen. And it says, this is the victory that over, it's in first, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. See, God's word is powerful. And he's telling us we can knock down the devil's strongholds. With these weapons, we can break down, cast down, demolish all the imaginations and human reasoning. We, with these weapons, we conquer. It's what he's telling us here. And the devil whispers in some of your minds like, I'm going to probably lose my job. People think that, and then they, they end up talking to me. I don't know why. I just, like, I just feel like I'm going to lose my job this year. And what we need to do is like, you know what? My Bible says, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. He's going to take care of me. That's what he promised. Amen. And, and that's having on our armor compared to not having on your armor and just taking every little negative thing, not filtering it out at all, just allowing it to go in our eyes, go in our ears, get into our heart and our mind. And it becomes a stronghold. And we become very negative it's so easy to believe the worst. The devil's always putting those thoughts in our mind. But we need to understand every piece of the armor of God is molded and fashioned from his word. And his word produces faith. And my Bible tells me greater is Christ who's in us than the devil is in this world. And God wants you to have victory. I see that everywhere I look at his word, he wants us to have victory. And the devil whispers in your your, your mind, you know, nobody really knows, but I'm a failure. You know what? I'm a child of God. I'm a joint heir with Christ. I'm a partaker of his divine nature. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I have been made the head and not the tail. All those things is just part of a verse. And you can speak his word. That's keeping your helmet of salvation where it belongs and filtering all the negativism out. But we have to put on the armor. We must learn to use our armor and our weaponry as part of what we do. Often, a man can't see the truth that's in Jesus because he has no mind or no desire to do so. Ungodly men are, as the country people often say, like hogs in a harvest field. They'll not come out of your field of corn and vegetables and all, no matter how much shouting you do. They can't hear you because they have no will to hear you. Have you ever heard people who just say, I'm not listening? <laughs> I wonder if we ever do that to God. Maybe not with our words, but at least by our actions. 
God's warning us. He's encouraging us. He's trying to lead us and guide us because his blessings, he wants to bless us. And it's just like we're not listening, you know. We lack the will to listen and therefore it paralyzes us in so many areas of our life. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33 says, For God is not a God of disorder or of confusion, but of peace. My Bible tells me very clearly that Satan is the author of confusion and chaos, not God. You ever had confusion in your life? A confused mind? I just don't know what to do. I wonder where that comes from. We need to just go run in and, and, and let God tweak our armor. You know, do a little tailoring to it, you know, making some adjustments to it. And we need to filter all that negativism that's coming into us. And negativism will come into us every day at every opportunity. It will come at us. And we need to keep our helmet of salvation on and filter all the negative stuff out. And we need to believe, believe, and therefore we will not be blinded. We need to believe what God has to say in his word. Children will play with virtually anything they get their hands on. It's no surprise then that when Dutch children in the town of Barnvell uncovered an unexploded war, World War II artillery shell, they played with it. In fact, they had games with it for several months on their playground. That shell was still alive and contained highly explosives. Thankfully, the deadly plaything did not explode in the Barnfeld playground as the children tossed it around. Eventually, the authorities learned about the shell and they confiscated it and they exploded it in a safe place. Those who are not yet mature often fail to recognize the danger in what they're doing. For children, the world is a playground. And bombs make great toys. But how many times do we find ourselves looking at pretty little toys, pretty things? We find ourselves doing things and we have no concept that they're dangerous. We have no idea that it could possibly explode on us. Just like the tuna. Had no clue that that tuna could sink my boat had no clue that this pretty little plaything, things that we allow into our lives through the media, seems harmless enough. We've played with it maybe for a few months. And it seems to be harmless enough just to kind of a something that, oh, it's not that bad. It's not really dangerous. And then all of a sudden one day, boom, it blows up. And we go, where'd that come from? And all these things often come through our eyes and through our ears and gets into our heart and gets into our mind. It says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, it says, With the Lord's authority, let me say this, live no longer as the ungodly do. Ungodly, they play with dangerous things and they don't know it. Now, you go, why are you using the word ungodly? That's, it sounds bad. Have you ever heard of an uncola? <laughs> Describe to me what the uncola is missing. Cola. So describe to me what the ungodly are missing. 
God. That's all that ungodly means. You have not allowed God into your thoughts, into your life, into your family, into your business, into your home. You've just not included him. And it says, with the Lord's authority, let me say this, live no longer as the ungodly do. And the ungodly, well, they play with dangerous things and they don't know how dangerous it is. And, and they don't know that that tuna can sink their boat. They don't know, you see. He says, for they are, what's those two words? Hopelessly confused. Live no longer as the ungodly do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their closed, closed minds are full of darkness. They're, they're blinded. They are far away from the life of God because they have shut their minds and hardened their hearts against him. And confusion is all that is left for them. They need the helmet of salvation, you see. Verse 19 says, they don't care anymore about right and wrong, and they have given themselves over to immoral ways. These ways, you know, it's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous place. Well, they're unaware that that thing or that something is, is dangerous. They're unaware of it. They, they've not filtered that stuff out through the truth and all the other positive things that God's word tells us to filter it through. It says here, the latter part of verse 19, their lives are filled with all kinds of impurity and greed. Things that Satan puts there. And the world in which we live is filled with impure pictures and impure thoughts and ideas and concepts that comes at us a mile, a, 10, 100 miles a minute, if you would, through every form of media that's available to us, impurity. And he says their lives are filled with all kinds of impurity and greed. But that isn't what you were taught when you learned about Christ. Since you have heard all about him and have learned the truth that is in Jesus. And then he says, throw off, throw off your old evil nature and your former way of life, which is rotten through and through, full of lust, full of deception. Throw it off, throw it off. We got to change our stinking thinking. Let's begin to think more Christ-like, you know. And, and, and the devil is kind of like a, a mad dog that's been chained up. And you ever see where a dog has been chained to a tree or something? And there's a path. He goes to the end of his chain. And he, he just wears down a path, right? And see, you're safe as long as you stay out of his reach. But this old mad dog, he's just a mean old <clears throat> rascal. What happens if he is in there closer to his little dog house there? And you go, oh, oh he's, he's a nice little old puppy. <clears throat> Come here, little fella, and you step across this. Come over here. You guys okay? Right. But you got within reach. And, and based upon the things that we think, we get within Satan's reach. And we allow him to create a stronghold that we'll wrestle with the whole rest of our life. Fears and phobias and, and, and strongholds of inappropriate things that we think about and are, are, are addicted to and, and, and just crave and lust after. Picking back up here in Ephesians 4, verse 23, it says, instead of all the darkness and the closed minds and the hardened hearts and the immoral ways and all, <clears throat> in verse 23, it says, instead, there, what's that next word? 
Verse 23, it says, instead there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. On the battlefield of life, as we get our helmet of salvation on, there needs to be a spiritual renewal of our thoughts and our attitudes. There must be. And you know, I know a little bit about all the military stuff because my son is a Marine, and I do know when they go on a battlefield, when Marines go on a battlefield and they get engaged in battle, they have a constant renewal, you know, uh, provision. There are trucks, one after the other, bringing ammunition, bringing food, supplies, medical this and that, and, and gear and all. And if, and if they can't get to you by truck, they will drop them in from planes and helicopters. There's a constant renewal. How many of you have insurance on your automobile? Have you, do you ever have to renew the policy? What happens if you fail to renew it? You're in trouble. But who renews it? My wife. <laughs> but we got to do the renewing. And he says, instead of all the darkness and the ungodliness and all that stuff, verse 23, he said, there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. We got to change our stinking thinking because it creates a stronghold and it will bring failure upon us and upon our children and our grandchildren. If we don't change our stinking thinking, if we allow our stinking thinking to control us, it'll be passed from generation to generation. And we need to get our helmet of salvation on. And we need to filter everything we think about. We need to filter it through the truth. That's what God's Word tells us. And then verse 24, it says, you must. We just read that word must in the other verse. 23 says, you must, you there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. Verse 24 says, and you must display a new nature. If you have genuinely gotten saved and you're wearing the helmet of salvation, you must display a new nature. You must display a new nature because you are a new person. You've been born again. You've been saved. Whatever term you want to use. Created in God's likeness. Righteous, holy, and true. That's true salvation, you see. True salvation. And he says, if you've accepted Christ in you, if you genuinely accepted Christ, you have done an about face. You must do an about face. There must be a change that has taken place in you. And listen to what this verse says in 1 Corinthians 2, 16. It says, who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows? Who knows enough to teach him, you know? And we, uh, 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 but it gives us the answer. But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. Amen. It's right here in this book, his mind. He wants us to think like he thinks. He genuinely does. He wants us to wear the helmet of salvation. He wants us to filter out all the garbage that tries to come into our mind that would try to get in our heart. A man deeply involved in the New Age movement for over five years said, what caused him to second guess what he was involved in was the moral anarchy. He said, I became part of a group and we used to sit around and talk about what my truth was. 
One person will say, well, my truth is doing this or saying this or feeling like this or acting out in this form of morality. And someone else would say, oh, that's nice. Well, that's your truth. Well, let me tell you about my truth. And he got the idea that the wife he had been married to for many years was not as beautiful and wonderful as uh, another person in the group who said that her truth was is that they ought to get married. And he said, I thought about it for a while and more and more, I thought about it. He should have cast it down, but he had thought about it. And after a while, I decided, well, that was my truth too. So we got our truths together and I divorced my wife. And she was very upset about it. But I told her, honey, this is my truth. You see how, how things go? How are you going to argue with someone who says, well, this is my truth? And they can do anything they jolly well please and just go, well, this is my truth. It was only a short time after that when someone from the New Age movement said, hey, there's a, a new church in town. Come out to it with me. And we went and we walked in and thought, oh, this is wonderful. I didn't realize there are so many people who thought like I do. That day, the pastor gave a message about human beings standing morally accountable before a holy God. This church did not think the way he thought, okay? They made a mistake. It was a divine appointment, though. And while he was talking, the pastor was talking, I became conscious for the first time of my sin and I knew that I was playing games. I was just making up the truth. That's all I was doing is manufacturing the truth that I wanted for myself so I could live the way I wanted to live. And the next morning I fell on my knees and I received Christ and received forgiveness. That day he got his helmet of salvation on. That day his stinking thinking changed. Instead of just saying, oh, this is my truth. Uh, that's absolutely absurd. You can walk around our community here and you see you can find some dog when you're out there and go, this is my truth is this is fudge. <laughs> yeah, how absurd is that? Same thing. Message received. All right. Anyhow. Do you have your helmet on? Genuinely. Do you have on your helmet? Is your helmet filtering out all the garbage that will try to contaminate and corrupt you? Try to create strongholds that the devil could pull you down and bring you into great despair and hopelessness and depression. That's what the devil tries to do. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Listen to what my Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God do what? Transform. What does transform mean? It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you, change you into a new person. How can he do that? By changing the way you think. Changing the way you think. Instead of me thinking the negative, the negative, the negative, staring at the black dot, I'm going to begin to think everything that God's word says is true. I'm going to begin to think that God answers prayer. 
I'm going to think that God shall provide my needs according to his riches and glory. I'm going to believe what he has to say. I didn't write this. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. By wearing his helmet and filtering out all the garbage that tries to get to us. Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3 says, you will keep, you will keep him, and this is not only talking about hims, it's talking about hers as, as well. You will keep him and her in perfect peace whose mind is stayed, is attached on you because he trusts in you. You'll keep us in perfect peace when our mind stays upon him. There are so many things bombard us and fight against us every day of our life to try to get us to think negative, to get us anywhere but, but to be ungodly, just to get God out of our life. The enemy of our soul. And, and I don't know if I've already said this or not, but every Christian endeavor, every Christian endeavor is won or lost on the battlefield of prayer. And what you think, my Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. If you think you can, you can. If you think you can't, you can't. I think I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I think I can pray and God will work a miracle. I think we can work at this and we can overcome the obstacles. And you, and you can. It's so important what we think. And we need to protect our mind and our thoughts with the help of salvation. <clears throat> and it's made out of the word. And we need to tweak it. Let God tailor it to us from time to time as we read and we study. And it just strengthens us. And we know we are on a real genuine battlefield. Okay, one, one more verse. Joshua chapter 1 verse 7 it says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful and obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. It says, if you'll be courageous, if you'll obey his instructions, and you got to understand, it's just like the, the Marines. They train and they train, and they're always training. Even when you're a general, you're still training. You're training and you're training and you're training so you can learn. So when you get on the battlefield, you got it. You know it. And this is not a negative thing here. When it says, be strong and very courageous, be careful to obey all the in instructions in his manual, you know. And then he says, do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left. Then, then you will be what? Successful. Where? In everything you do. In everything. What are you doing? Not just business, but at home and in family and relations and everything you do. And then if we didn't quite get it, then read the next verse, verse 8. Study this book of instructions annually. Oh, I should get my glasses over here. <laughs> Study this book of instructions continually. Meditate upon it day and night. That means chew on it. Become one with it. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. It becomes one with you. Only then will you, what's that say? Prosper and succeed where? In all you do. Do you want to prosper in everything that you set your mind to do? He says, well, keep this, filtering out the bad. And, 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 and allow it to be your helmet of salvation. It's formed out of the word of God. And you cast down the things that sneak in. You cast them down, you pull them down, you demolish them, you destroy those, 
those bad seeds that tries to grow up as a big old oak tree and be a stronghold in your mind. Cast those things down. And it's better to cast them down early, is it not? You know, is there a seedling to pluck it up than to wait till it becomes a big old giant tree? Well, let me read you one little story song and then we will close. This is called The Devil's Last Song. The following song fitly illustrates the devil's remorse and eternal hell over the deeds that he has done. It pictures the utter despair of the one who has opposed God through the ages in the working out of God's plan for man. From the eternal past to the eternal future, it prophetically speaks of the end of the empire of sin among free moral agents and the confinement of all rebels and followers of Satan in eternal torment, according to the Bible. And here is the song. Long ago I planned in my passing pride that today I would reign as king. But where is my kingdom? Where is my crown? Is a bitter song I now sing. What joy have I won through my evil designs? What peace in my soul-wrecking plan? I have hoped to conquer both heaven and hell, but have won nothing more than man. I can see above o'er the bridgeless gulf, the glorified heavenlit strand. My chains make me feel the double disgrace as I crouch neath the infinite hand. Where are my princes, my legions of dupes, and the millions of souls I have won? My pains and my chains are greater by far because of the deeds I've done. All my plans and my schemes in a thousand ways, like bubbles are blown out of sight. My fancies and hopes, like a passing dream, are covered by shadows of night. Come on, all ye dupes, ye millions of men who heeded my wishes like fools. Take your share, for Ahab, the gallowing chains under him who in triumph rules. You have lived and died for my noble cause, your souls are eternally marred. You shall see no more than glimpses of light of the heaven from which now you are barred. Then fling all your hopes, my friends, to the winds. As the echo of sadness replies, you will feel henceforth the deeper degrees of the hell which beneath us lies. It's just a little poem. Bears a lot of truth. But I want you to know there is a God in heaven and he is crazy about you. He loves you. He has no big stick waiting to bop you over the head with it. He loves you and he's saying, put on my armor. Begin to think the way I do. Here I'm giving you all the tools you need to succeed. There is a heaven, a real heaven that he has prepared for us. There is a real devil. And because God kicked him out of heaven because he tried to usurp authority and take over heaven, God kicked him out to the earth. And the, 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 the best way he can figure to hurt God is to hurt what God loves the most, and that's you. If he can get you caught up with him so you become ungodly, you ain't got time for God, but there is a real devil and there is a real hell. And you will never be the devil's buddy. You'll not have parties and do crazy things in hell together. The devil hates your guts because you're the creation of Almighty God. You're creating his image, and when he sees you, he sees God. There is a real God, and he loves you, and he forgives you. 
He's not mad at you. And he's created this fantastic armor that you and I can wear. And the devil will not be able to get a stronghold in our minds. He will not be able to succeed throwing his fiery arrows at us because our shield of faith and our helmet of salvation will protect us. And then while we've got our shield and we've got our helmet, it protects us and our family and our loved ones. And, and, and we learn and we train and, and then we learn how to pray and we learn how to use our sword to cut through the chains that bind other people and, and share with them the truths that we're learning. What I'm saying, it sounds like an analogy. It sounds like just some creative way of saying, but I'm telling you, there is a helmet. There is a shield. There is a sword. It is real. We are in a real battle. And we can win the battle in this life and accomplish what God created us to do if we believe him. All things are possible to those who uh, believe. That's what Jesus said. That's what his word tells us on and on. Well, our time is up. Let's uh, bow our heads together. Father, I ask that you would just bless my brothers and my sisters, the men, the women, the boys and girls who are in this room, who are watching online, who's watching by DVD, who's listening to CDs. However, Lord, I ask your blessings upon each one and, and reveal to us, almighty God, the truth of your word. May we grasp the reality of your armor and may we study it and pursue it and learn to use it that our prayer would not be wasted breath, but our prayers would accomplish so much in our lives, in our family's lives, in our friends' lives, and in this world in which we live. Teach us to dress in the armor and to keep our armor on and to pray the way you teach us to pray. I thank you, almighty God, this is the victory that overcomes this world and it's our faith. That's what you said in your word. And may your faith grow. And may your faith rise up in my brothers and my sisters who are listening to this message right now. Change our stinking thinking. And we pull down those evil, those dark thoughts, those addictive thoughts, those things that try to bind us, creating a stronghold and destroy us. We pull down those negative thoughts right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And we choose to renew our mind in your word. And to wash our mind, the washing of the water of your word. May it wash us and, and cleanse us and, and help us to think the way Christ thinks. May we have the mind of Christ. Change us and, and change our families and change those who are in our sphere of influence. And may we become truly Christ-like. And what we think and what we say and what we do. Have your way in us, O oh God. As our heads are bowed for one more moment, I'd like you to join me in a simple prayer. It's a serious prayer where we reaffirm our faith in Christ because it's true. It's because what we believe. And those who are here today who may have drifted off course, it's time to get things right. Maybe you've never been on course. Maybe you've never even been close to Christ. Now's the time to make the decision for him. In either case, would you join me right now as we pray? Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe you've made great provisions for me.
I believe that's why you sent your son Jesus. I believe he died in my place. Paid for all my sins. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and is knocking at the door of my heart. I open wide that door and I invite Jesus in and I surrender my all to Jesus right now. I want you in my life. I want you to control my life. I'm sorry for my sinful ways. I turn from all those things and I choose to do it your way. Deliver me, almighty God, from those harmless looking toys. Deliver me from those harmless looking things that would destroy me. I yield to you my life. Help me, almighty God, to get my armor on. Adjust it, Lord. And teach me to use it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.